Well, thank you, Caleb. It is good to be with you all today. Um, as Caleb mentioned, um, my wife and I have been coming ever since September, and it has been an incredible um, opportunity, really just a gift to get to know so many of you. Um, I do want to say a specific thanks to John. He's not here. You know, he's at Sylvie's graduation, but I mean, he has been an incredible um, voice of wisdom for over a year as we've been making this transition. He's walked with our family in such a, a just way that was very present and a gift to Karen and I. Um, our kids have loved, you know, Beth and Matt and like the kids ministry. Caleb, thank you for all that you do in the kids ministry. Um, we have um, just been excited about what God's doing here at the church at Holy Trinity, but also just we love um, the whole Anglican tradition. One thing that I love is that it's a movement of word and prayer. And the, even the Book of Common Prayer itself just helps put you in these rhythms of being filled with God's scripture and being with him in prayer. Um, and I love the liturgical calendar, which today, you know, we're celebrating Pentecost. But it's like a way that each and every one of us truly follows Christ. Like our whole view of time in this tradition is part of our discipleship. Our lives are centered around the story of Jesus Christ. And that's a rich gift. And today, we want to come and remember how he gave us his spirit. Um, and so before we look at Acts 2 and consider the realities of Pentecost Sunday, I want to invite us to pray um, once more. Father, thank you. Thank you that you remind us this day that you have poured out your love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Come, Holy Spirit. Come this morning. May the words of my mouth be acceptable to you this morning. Would you be glorified, Jesus Christ, in this place, even now? Amen. Again, today we remember Pentecost Sunday. Um, we remember the pouring out of the Holy Spirit on the disciples in Acts chapter 2. Some have called this day the birthday of the church. It is the day that the Holy Spirit empowered the disciples to speak in the languages of those that gathered in the city of Jerusalem for Pentecost, which was also known as the Feast of Weeks. Pentecost was one of the three pilgrimage feasts for the people of Israel. Um, this feast remembered and celebrated the giving of the law, specifically the Ten Commandments. Um, and they remembered that particular day um, or time at Mount Sinai. And it's at this particular pilgrimage feast of Pentecost about 2,000 years ago 
where the people of Israel who gathered to celebrate and remember the giving of the law um, became witnesses to the giving of the Spirit. This is why we named this day Pentecost Sunday. Um, It was on this day that 3,000 people came to new life in Jesus Christ. It was an amazing, amazing day. And today as we um, focus our time on Acts chapter 2, I want us to look at three realities that we see in this passage. The reality of the presence of God, the reality of the power of God, and the reality of the purpose of God. So let's begin with the presence of God. In Acts 2, verses 2 through 4, Luke tells us, And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. We see here the Spirit descends, he fills the disciples, the, the disciples are baptized, as John the Baptist would say, with fire and the Holy Spirit. He makes them united, one in God and in each other. He makes known the Father's love to them. The reality is that the disciples, like all of us, are made to be filled by the Holy Spirit. We are made for the presence of God. C.S. Lewis speaks to this reality in some of the notes that he writes in his own copy of von Hugel's book, Eternal Life. I love how he says this, listen to this. It is not an abstraction that caused humanity to be saved, it is you, your soul, And in some sense, yet to be understood, even your body that was made for the high and holy place, all that you are, every fold increase of your individuality was devised from all eternity to fit God as a glove fits a hand all that intimate particularity which you can hardly grasp about yourself, much less communicate to your fellow creatures, is no mystery to him. He made those ins and outs that he might fill them. Let me repeat this line. All that you are, every fold increase of your individuality was from devised from all eternity to fit God as a glove fits a hand. Isn't that amazing? Lewis says that we are created to fit God as a glove fits a hand. Our bodies ache for God. Our whole selves are made for union with him. We 
are made to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Designed for this intimate relationship and fellowship with the Trinity. We are the living temple of God of which Christ himself is the chief cornerstone. Luke here in Acts 2 is showing us the good news that God is not only with us, he's in us. Deeper than we can understand, more intimate than we can even imagine. God the Holy Spirit is in us and he's connecting us. Connecting us to the Father and to the Son and to each other. This is his job. This is what he does. Pentecost shows us that the presence of God and the power, and the power of God fill his people. And this, the power of God, is the second reality of the passage that I want us to see here in Acts 2. Let's consider the power of God. We are told by Luke that there are 120 men and women disciples that have been waiting for the Spirit in Jerusalem. They were given a mission to bring the good news to the ends of the earth. But how? Many of these women, men and women, were not educated or undereducated. The religious and political powers in Jerusalem were not only willing to be against them in word, but willing to imprison them and, or possibly put them to death. How could these accomplish the mission that had been given to them? Well, Acts 2, 5 through 8 says this. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven, and at this sound, the multitude came together and they were be bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished saying, are not all those who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? When I was 16, I, I was in Moscow for a month. My first weekend there, I accidentally ordered raw meat from a street vendor and egg on a pizza. And um, just to be clear, I don't think egg should be on pizza. <laughs> like, I just, and then I don't like too many veggies on that pizza. But then my friend John showed up. And, you know, honestly, I'm glad, like, our food orders were corrected at that point. But really, what I loved was speaking to someone in my own language, in the language of my birth. It's like water to your soul when you're in a foreign land. We see a lot of people in Jerusalem that their first language was not the one spoken in the city that they visited. And we see the power of God in the gifts of tongues given to the disciples. 
this power enabled the gospel to be spoken and heard in the languages of all who were gathered together witnessing this incredible evangelistic event. Speaking in languages they were never trained in was not part of their imagination. But this is how the power of God works. The Spirit enables and accomplishes more than we can ask or even imagine. The people gathered in Jerusalem are now experiencing the beauty of hearing the gospel and the works of God in their birth languages. And this, this power is also just such an intimate one. God is speaking directly to their hearts. The Spirit is always tearing down barriers. That's what the Spirit does. He tears down barriers between God and man. And language was one of those barriers between the disciples and the crowds here. God's power is seen in communicating the gospel, both the speaking, but also the hearing. His power is enabling the reconciliation of broken relationships between God and man. The spirit is blowing through these gathered and bringing the truth of Jesus Christ to the people's own ears in their own languages. But the power of God is also seen at the work in the transformation of Peter. Weeks prior to this, Peter followed the arrested Jesus to the sham trial. He watched from a distance and really was living in his fear in those moments as he watched this trial of Jesus. And that fear led him to deny Jesus three times. This was a great, had to be a great shame for Peter. But now we see him here, not in his shame or in his fear, but bold, articulate, and declaring that Jesus is both Lord and Messiah. The Spirit is transforming this man. You know, Jesus had told the disciples earlier in his ministry that the Spirit and the Helper would come to them. They would be filled with power. But one of the things he would, the Spirit would do would guide them into all truth and remind them that everything that Jesus had told them. And this week, the last two weeks, I, I wondered about this. As Peter stood in front of these crowds, what possibly could have the Spirit reminded Peter of? Was it the shore of Ga the Sea of Galilee where he first met Jesus and was called to follow Jesus? Do you remember that scene? Peter had been all, out all night with James and John. They're professional fishermen, but they had not caught anything. They knew all the places to go, all the holes <laughs> that had all the fish. But they came up empty-handed that night when Jesus showed up. Could Peter have remembered that seemingly foolish idea that Jesus had? Just cast your nets out. Did he remember the miraculous catch? 
the overwhelming feeling of holiness from Jesus that made him just bow in front of him? And then did the spirit possibly recall those words as he stood at this moment? Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. Or did the spirit remind him of that crucial and complex moment where Jesus asked him, who do you say that I am, Peter? You're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, you are correct, Peter. Upon this rock, I will build my church and not even the gates of hell will stand against it. My imagination led me to consider was the spirit and Jesus saying, don't be afraid, Peter. I'm with you. I'm pouring out my love into your heart through the Holy Spirit who has been given to you. My love is perfect. It casts out all fear. Don't be afraid. Cast your nuts out. Cast them into this people. Tell them who you say that I am. Tell them that I am the Christ, the crucified and risen one. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. And so Peter stands in front of thousands on this feast day and preaches in the power of the Holy Spirit. And there was an overwhelming catch. 3,000 people place their faith and receive new life in the crucified, risen, and ascended Lord Jesus Christ. Peter is being transformed by the power of the Spirit. The Spirit is making him a new man, removing the shame and fear in his life, working in him a love that cannot be described. This transformational work is at work in us, making us new to walk in the power of this transformation is to begin to notice his presence and to listen to his voice in every situation of our lives. He is always working. He is always present, always reminding us who we are, children of God. This is a deep internal work that he is always doing in us, forming us into the image of Jesus Christ. Peter is being made new and is empowered to accomplish the work that he has been given. The Spirit does both of these things in our lives He transforms and empowers us. These are both part of the same work of the Spirit. The Spirit makes us new by his power, but then he also empowers us the very thing that God wants us to do and accomplish. And this leads us to our final point, the purpose of God. Here at Acts 2, we see his purpose And the power of God is always at work for us to 
complete and fulfill the purpose of God. The purpose of God is that he wants every one of us, every one of his people to extend grace and love to every person on this earth. Jesus' mission becomes our mission. Jesus had told them this mission in Luke 24. We heard this last week in verses 46 and 47 of Luke 24. Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. The plan and purpose of God is for the good news to go to all nations. God's intention and plan has always been for all nations to be blessed through the Messiah and to use his people to accomplish this plan of blessing. Here at Pentecost, we see the disciples filled with the presence of God, empowered by the Spirit to accomplish the mission and purpose of God. The crowds are amazed and even confused at this incredible event of power, language, and praise. And so Peter uses Joel 2, one of the prophets, to explain what is happening here to the crowds in Acts 2, 17 and 18. He says this, he quotes Joel 2, and in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. God has always intended to use each and every one of us. He pours out his spirit on all flesh to bring grace and love to those around us. Peter is saying, look around. Look at the men and women prophesying here today. Joel 2 is being fulfilled in your presence. You know, Jesus' first ministry of public ministry, do you remember what he says? He gets up, he quotes a prophet, Isaiah. He says, the spirit is upon me. Peter here, here in his first public words of ministry says, the spirit is upon us. Jesus, Jesus is just going forth. It's his work, it's his mission. He puts us now on mission, all of us, all flesh, men, women, servants, free, rich, poor, all of us. The Spirit resides in and empowers to live out God's purpose. Each and every one of us is part of his plan. And we've all been given gifts to do the work of ministry. Every one of us that has put their faith in Jesus Christ, we have been given gifts to use for the upbuilding of God's church and his kingdom. The Spirit desires us to be part of his purpose, to bring grace and love through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth.
to love one another in each and every sphere of our lives. On Pentecost Sunday, we see that the purpose of God can only be accomplished and brought about by the presence and power of God. The mission of God cannot be completed without God. Today, I want to invite you to ask to receive the presence, the power, and the purpose of God. God's Spirit is moving and working to draw some of you today to be reconciled to God. God's heart of love is for you. God's Spirit is speaking in a language that your heart can hear clearly. You know that you are made for God's presence, but have never confessed and believed in Jesus Christ. The Spirit invites you today to turn around. It's called repentance. Just turn to him. Stop walking away from God. Look at his son, Jesus Christ, who came to be one of us, to join us in our sufferings, to take on the cross, to rise from the dead and restore us and reconcile us to God himself. This day, the Spirit is inviting you to come to him, believe in him, and trust in him. Some of you today, though, may be wondering why your faith doesn't remember that of Pentecost. You know, as I read the passage, you get to see the power and you start to wonder, why isn't this happening in my life? You might have that question of, you know, I've been living in my faith for a long time, but I'm not sure if the transformational work is happening that you talk about. Is the Spirit really with me? I want to tell you yes. This is a common feeling in the life of Christian faith. Today, I want to encourage you that God is with you. In this age of distraction, though, a lot of us are not attentive to our lives and to each other. God is present with us, and we must set aside our distractions to look and listen for his movement in our lives, to begin to pay attention to God's work within you and in the world, ask yourself this question for the next few days. I think it's a great question to ask for the rest of your life. But where has God loved me this day? And just sit in silence. The Spirit will bring to your attention moments that you could never imagine where God was working and present with you. It's so important to pay attention to our lives. In this age of distraction, it is so hard, but it's so important. You will find that God is present with you and transforming you, but stop 
put down the phone, turn off the TV, pick up your Bible and listen. Some of you also may be um, wondering about this purpose, this plan, this mission, and we might get ahead of ourselves like, oh, I'm just gonna, we're gonna do this. Today, Pentecost reminds us we have to have God's spirit. We have to have God himself to accomplish his presence. This puts us in a position that we need to be reminded today that our lives need to be lived out of a place of dependency, not one of our own power. Francis Schaeffer writes one of, I think one of the most powerful quotes in regards to this, but you might need to put your listening ears on, okay? So I know this is at the very end of my message. I have like one more minute to go, but listen to this, this is powerful. The central problem of our age is not liberalism or modernism, nor the old Roman Catholicism or new Roman Catholicism, nor the threat of communism, nor the threat of rationalism, or the, in the monolithic consensus which surrounds us, nor I would add today postmodernism or materialistic consumerism or visceral sensualism or whatever. All these are dangerous, but not the primary threat. The real problem is this. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ, individually or corporately, tending to the Lord's work in the power of the flesh rather than of the spirit. The central problem is always in the midst of the people of God and not in the circumstances surrounding them. This is a powerful thought. The problem of our age is the church of God doing the work of God in our power. We are made to be dependent. We are made to be conformed to the image of Christ. Christ has shown us the way of living and it's a life of complete dependency on God. So let us today commit ourselves to a life of dependency on God's spirit, being attentive to his presence and walking in his power and not our own and living out his purpose in our lives in the world, will you pray with me? Thank you, God, that you have not withheld anything, any good gift from us, but have poured out every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places to those of us who are in your son this day would you work your word deep into our hearts? Would you work your truth into our lives? And would you help us love those that are put in our path? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.